I do appreciate being able to come and and share God's word with you folks. Like I was about to say, my throat is a little raspy, so please forgive the roughness of my voice. But sometimes when you get to be a certain age, things like that, just the way they work. Let's look at God's Word for just a moment and then we'll pray. Titus chapter 1, Titus chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. Titus is one of the young men that Paul uh, saw come to know the Lord and was trained under the Apostle Paul. and, And Titus is one of these young men that Paul put a lot of hard work into. So let's read the first three verses of chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, and hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for these folks that are here. Lord, I pray that your precious word would work in all of our hearts, that the Holy Spirit of God would take your precious word and apply it directly. Lord, each one of us has issues in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to take your word and allow it to do its work in our hearts that we might truly live for thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It has become apparent in this epistle that one of Paul's concerns for the... church that Titus was pastoring was the immorality that the culture had begun to influence the church. And that simple statement makes me think about our churches today. Has not immorality gained a foothold in many of our churches, if not all of our churches? I think it has. Christ has called us back Christ has called us to be in the world, but not of the world. God wants us to be distinct, especially in our lives. What does putting God first really mean? It is common to hear people say, God first, family second, work third. But what does that really mean, to put God first? Have you ever thought about it? What does it mean to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Paul usually declares his relationship to God and Jesus Christ when writing a letter. Here we're going to see that Paul declares his relationship to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think the first thing we need to look at is that the Apostle Paul here is making a note 
that God is preeminent in his life. And I think the first thing we need to do is what does this word preeminent mean? Preeminent of our Lord Jesus Christ is incredibly important for each and every born again Christian. If Christ takes the ultimate first place in our hearts and lives, then everything else in life will find its proper place. Who is first in your life? Paul uses two deep definitions here about who he is. He uses the word servant and apostle. He calls himself a servant and an apostle. But both really are descriptions of one that is serving. To be an apostle is to be a servant. To be a servant is to be literally what that means, is to serve. Service, notice that the word servant comes before apostle. Paul's purpose in life was to serve his master. We can see this over here in Colossians, and we're going to look at a lot of different verses, so I hope you'll turn with me So, and to many of these verses. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Christ wants preeminence in your life. You need to have him preeminent in your life if you're going to be right with him. He needs to be first. Christ is to have preeminence in all things. Notice these two offices both servant and apostle, is one of service. Do you see who Paul's authority is? It's God. Notice he says a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's being submissive to both God and Christ. Are you being submissive to both God and Christ? I hope so. God is our authority, whether you accept it or not. You know, I've talked to many people that say they don't believe in God. But whether they believe in God or don't, doesn't change the fact whether He exists or not. If you go over to Romans chapter 3 and verse 3, it clearly says, Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? In other words, it's simply saying, just because someone doesn't believe it, does that make it not true? You know, there's a big thing right now that the world is actually flat and not a globe. Okay? There's a lot of folks that believe that. Does that make the world not a globe? No. There's people that don't believe in gravity. Does that mean gravity doesn't exist? Of course not. Servant. Let's look at this word servant for a few moments. This word servant has several thoughts, but a couple that I would like to mention. One who his master was. God is his master. You know, we in modern day America have troubles understanding a true servant, what a true servant is. A lot of times we equate this word servant with slave and sometimes it has been uh, even equated that in some translations. But the Greek word is doulos. And doulos has a lot deeper and stronger meaning than servant. It has the idea of one that is slave because 
He volunteered for it. Now, you and I, we don't understand that in our American way of thinking. But God wants us to be His slave, to do His bidding, His will at every moment. Notice too, this type of servant has the attitude, I'm willing to commit myself to permanent service of the Lord. Are you willing to be the Lord's servant no matter where you are in your life? You know, some of us are getting older. Some of us don't function like we used to have the, uh, the endurance and the, the brain fog. It's sometimes very much prevalent in our lives. But are we willing to be the servant that God has called us to be regardless of what other factors may be in our life? What bound Paul to the Lord? Have you ever stopped to think about that? What bound the Apostle Paul to serve the Lord like he did? It was love. He loved the Lord so passionately he could do nothing else but serve. Why did the Paul love why did the Apostle Paul love the Lord so? We can see the answer in Luke chapter number seven. And look over there with me, please. Luke chapter number 7 and verse number 47. Notice what it says. Whether I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loveth much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. How much have we been forgiven? Well, some of us that were saved later in life There's a whole list of things we've been forgiven. And maybe if you grew up in a Christian home, maybe you don't have the long list that some of us others might have. But what we have to understand, whether we grew up in a Christian home or whether we lived into many years before we got saved, all sin is wicked. All sin is vile. All sin is a stench in the nostrils of God. And I don't really care what your sin is. But Paul loved much because much was forgiven. Love seeks to do what is biblically best for others. That's the definition that the Bible gives. Our world many times has changed the the word love into many different definitions. But the biblical definition of love is doing what is best for the others biblically. Do you love others? Notice what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says. Love does not behave itself unseemly. It has the idea it serves. Love does not seek her own. It serves. Love beareth all things. It serves. Love endureth all things. It serves. Divine love seeks the good of others regardless of our own expense. A servant of the Lord seeks to be totally caught up in the will of his master, who is Jesus Christ. This means Paul's will was swallowed up in the good pleasure of God's will. He wanted to do those things that please God regardless of the cost to him. Is that our attitude? I hope so. The word apostle, we go back to Titus chapter 1, and let's look at that word apostle for just a moment. Apostle is one who is sent with a message. 
Paul was given a mission to proclaim the gospel to the world in his day. The apostle is a representative of God's kingdom. Now we understand the office of apostle is no more, but we are still sent out with a message, aren't we? Each one of us has a message if we know Christ. And that message is that you must be born again. When was the last time that you shared with someone that they must be born again? Have we forgotten our mission? What is our mission? Our mission is to love the Lord thy God first and foremost. To glorify Him in all that we do. To go and make disciples. The Apostle's office has been stressed here. This office has been entrusted to him by Jesus Christ in order that God's truth may be purely proclaimed. As a servant and as an apostle, Paul was to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 2 of Titus chapter 1. And hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. The promise. We see here in this verse the promise that is given to us. We see three subjects that are talked about here in Titus chapter 2. The first is eternity. The second, truth. And the third is time. Concerning eternity. A survey was done many years ago and it asked people if they believed in heaven or hell. Many of the people claimed they did not. This same survey then asked what would happen to them when they died. And overwhelmingly, they said they would go to heaven. Now, to me, if you don't believe in heaven, how can you go there? But that's beside the point. What it shows, though, is people that God has put into every person's heart, there is something after this life. We may not know what it is, unless we've had some Bible teaching, but God has placed within everybody's heart that there's something more than just the 70 or 100 years that we walk this earth. <clears throat> People want to go to heaven. Most just don't want to go God's way. They want to be able to say, look what I have done. In fact, if we know what Ephesians, let's run over to Ephesians chapter 2 and read that uh, verses 8 and 9 for just a moment. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why does God not want us to be part of our own salvation so that we cannot boast? We have to give all the glory to Him. If you are working for your salvation, you're not going to make it to heaven. The only place you're going to make it if you're working for your salvation is hell. The lake of fire eventually. God does not want any self-bragging person in heaven. He wants us to be bragging on Him. We want, he wants us to be declaring, Look what the Lord hath done for me. And that's what our words need to be is, Look what the Lord has done. If we go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, Do all to the glory of God. Whether we eat or whether we drink, do all to the glory of God. Are you seeking to do all to the glory of God regardless of what your hand 
are finding to do? I think many times not. But let's go back to Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, in the hope of eternal life. Hope of eternal life. The short and simple answer is, Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is our hope of eternal life. We have no hope of eternal life outside of Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. First, what does hope mean? What does it mean to hope in something? I can't tell you how many times this past fall I heard people tell me, oh, I hope the Bills make it to the Super Bowl. Hope. They're using hope in a very wrong definition. We have taken the word hope in our country and converted it to something to wish for. If they had said, I wish the Buffalo Bills would go to the Super Bowl, that would have been accurate. But to hope. Hope is faith. Hope is placing something that is steadfast and sure. Hope. Biblical hope is much more concrete and certain. Hope is tied to faith. The two cannot be uh, separated. Faith is believing in God, trusting in, and having confidence in Him. Faith means we have the ability to walk with God. A parachute is a wonderful analogy for faith. Now, I don't know how many here have jumped out of an airplane with a parachute. My metal son has done that. I think he said 35 or 40 times. He did it for the United States Army. But what was he doing? He was placing his faith that that chute was going to carry him safely to the ground. When he jumped out of that airplane and that chute opened, he was trusting it, wasn't he? And folks, we need to trust God that same way. God, if this, if you don't hold me, I'm going to fall flat. And it's going to be all over but the crying. If faith is walking with God, if, it's, if faith is walking with God and trust on a daily basis, it is then a present living hope. A present living hope. Our faith is not grounded in uh, hope of ourselves. Our faith is hoped in Christ above. This hope is also tied to godliness of this verse. Because if our hope is truly set on eternal life, we will live different in this present life. Stop and think about that for a moment. If our faith is tied to the eternal, we will not be so concerned about the things that are temporal. There's an old saying, we sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the temporal. How often are we so concerned about the temporal things and forget all about the eternal? That's because we're focused on our circumstances, our situations, and difficulties. But we need to be focused on things above. What does Colossians chapter 3? Let's run over to Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1. If ye be risen with Christ, What does it say? Seek those things which are above 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God? Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Where we have our affections? On the things of this earth? No, that's what the Bible just said we're not to have it set on. In other words, it's not to be set on our jobs and our, our iPhones and a hundred other different things. It needs to be set on things above. There are two types of people in this room this morning. Those that know Jesus Christ as their Savior and those who need to know Christ as their Savior. Where is your focus? If your focus is always on the things of this earth. Folks, maybe you've never come to a point in your life where you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Now let's go back to Titus chapter 2 and verse number 2. And the hope of eternal life which is which God that cannot lie concerning truth. Have you ever thought what is truth? Pontius Pilate thought that and even made a comment. What is truth? What is truth? Well, let's talk about it for just a moment. Hope is based on an individual who cannot lie. Have you ever stopped to think, what about if God could lie? We'd be in terrible hurts, wouldn't we? We would be in terrible hurts if God could lie. If he was a great deceiver, we'd be in hurts. Many times we're in hurts because the devil is a deceiver and we fall for his deceptions. And if we look at our world around us, how many times are we deceived by our world? We're deceived many times by the news media. Many times we're deceived by our educational system. Many times we're deceived by our government. Many times we're deceived by even folks that think they're trying to be helpful. They just don't know all the facts. Folks, there's only one way we're going to know what the truth is. Compare it to the Scriptures. Compare it to the Scriptures. Do you know what the Scriptures say? If you don't know what's in the old book, how are you going to know whether what is being told you is deception or not? Truth is reality. It is how things actually are. Theologically, truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Truth is the self-disclosure of God Himself. It is what it is because God declares it so and made it so. God, by His very nature, is truth. Let's look at just some verses, and I'll just quote these verses a little bit about God being truth. In Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 16, it says, The God of truth. Jesus Christ is full of tr- grace and truth in John 1.14. In fact, he says he is truth according to John 14.6. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, John 14.17. Jesus prayed, thy word is truth, John 17.17. 17. Everything about God is true. God always tells 
the truth. Whether we like it or whether we don't. If God declares something as sin back in the 1800s, guess what? It is still sin today because God declared it. Oh, my dear friends, truth is truth and it's not based upon whether society likes it or doesn't like it. Not whether it's socially acceptable or whether it's not. Truth is truth. Because the one that has declared it is truth. Scientists many times discover truth, but they don't make truth. Only God makes truth. When people accept the truth of God's word, it will change their lives. Repentance always accompanies the embracing of God's truth. One, not, one cannot separate the two. Many have been antagonistic against the truth, but only to defend their righteous lifestyle. Except if a person accepts Christ, they will accept the truth. Now let's go back to Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2. And notice here, <clears throat> concerning time. Which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. We kind of looked at some of this in the uh, Sunday school hour here. God made it plan, plan for sinful man to be redeemed before the world ever began. Let's run over to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. This is one of my favorite verses. And yet, it seems like I get more favorite verses as the old time goes by. But in Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. When the fullness of time was come. But when did God plan on His Son coming? Do we know when God planned that? When he would plan that the Son of Man would come. It's been said that God is rarely early, but never late. That's a false statement, my dear friends. God is always right on time. His timetable may be different than your timetable, or my timetable, and it usually is. We want things now. We have a microwave, what I call a microwave mentality. I want popcorn. I go out of the cupboard. I put the uh, popcorn in the microwave. Hit the button that says microwave or popcorn. And two minutes and 30 seconds later, I've got my hot popcorn. That's the way we think today. But God does not think that way. He's a lot more apt to take a space of time. So, he is never late. Mary and Martha thought Jesus was late at the death of their brother Lazarus. Remember that? Lord, if thou had been here, my brother surely would not have died. But see, Jesus' plan and Martha and Mary's plan were different. Folks, I think many times our plan and what the Lord's plan is very different. Promise. What is 
What was that was promised? Well, let's look at 1 Peter. Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 8, 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. Notice here, before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ's plan was to come and save sinners. Stop and think about that for a moment. Before there were stars in the heaven, before there was a Milky Way, before there was an Adam and Eve, God's plan was to send His Son to save sinners. Hallelujah. It was a plan that was written in the heart and mind of God Almighty. And because of His omniscience, because of His omnipotence, He was able to bring it forth. His timetable. We have faith in our future hope because God promised it. God promised before the ages began. Let's just look at one other verse before we go on to Titus chapter 1 and verse 3. Let's look at Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 4. Notice what it says, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Notice it says, Chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. Stop and think about that. I'm just going to use my own self. Rick Hunt grew up east of Ithaca. He wasn't saved until 1975. 20 years after he was born. But his name had been written down many millennia before. Oh, folks, don't you understand? That's a blessing. That's a, that should bring joy to our hearts. Not that we deserve salvation, but that He chose us. Let's go back now to Titus chapter 1 and verse number 3. But hath in, the, but hath in due times manifested word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Now we see the proclamation of God. But hath in due times manifest His word through preaching. It is through the foolishness of preaching that God saves people. Let's run over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And verse number 21. And after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We should rejoice when there's preaching going on, whether they're eloquent or whether they're not. Praise the Lord that the Word of God is being declared. There's a friend of mine that lives in Wisconsin, and we were talking one day, 
And he made the statement, you know, that uh, the man that was proclaiming the word was not very eloquent. He says, but I rejoice that what he said was biblically true and that the word of God was declared and sent forth. For you see, faith cometh by hearing and by hearing some good story, by hearing by some wonderful tale. No, it's hearing by the Word of God. It's God's Word that we need to hear. Let's skip down to verse 21. I'm sorry. Uh, verse, skip up to verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. We need to praise the Lord for the preaching of God's Word. And that's what... Paul here is explaining to Titus that he was a preacher of God's Word. We can see several things that will go on here. We can see the when, the who, and the what. Let's look at this verse. Who hath hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. Here we see the when, due times. Let's look at 2 Timothy 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 2. It says, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. But notice it says, Be in season, be instant, in season, out of season. In other words, whether it's convenient or whether it's not convenient. Preach the Word. Sometimes preaching the Word is just coming alongside and sharing God's Word. Preach the Word whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Whether it is welcome or unwelcome. You never know how the Holy Spirit has been working in that person's heart. Know your Bible well enough that you can share the Gospel in any place and in any times. We are not the one who determines if a person is ready to get saved or not. We might think that that person is far too wicked to ever get saved. But folks, there's none too hard for the Lord to save. I remember after I got saved, a dear Christian lady said to me, she said, of all your folks' children, I would have never thought you'd have been the one gotten saved. And I knew exactly what she meant. The things that I did. She just was amazed that God's grace was sufficient for an old sinner like me. Due times. The reference here to salvation being manifested at the proper time. It shows us how the work of Jesus forms the very center of human history. Karyos, the Greek word for time here in Titus 1.3 is a term used for events of great significance. It is not used in ordinary passage of time. The gospel arrived at the proper time, the time God appointed for its arrival. Now we need to look back across the center point of history. What is the center point of history? Our world has tried to change that, wasn't it? The birth of Christ, it used to be B.C., and A.D. 
And now they've got something different and I don't know what it is. I'm still under the old school for most things. The who. Let's go back to Titus <clears throat> chapter 1. But hath in these due times manifested his word through preaching. Who would he preach to? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That has the idea of whether they're rich or poor, small or great, educated, uneducated. We need to preach the gospel to all. I think if we were to go and look at some of the verses that we have, that you probably have memorized about, go ye into all the world. Now we can't all go to all the parts of the world. But we can go to our little part of the world that we live in, can't we? You folks here live in Boston area. That's your part of the world. I live in Arcade. There's a neighbor next door that Margaret and I have talked to about their soul. From our perspective, it, it's hopeless. And yet, in reality, exactly right. It's hopeless from our perspective. But with, from God's perspective, if He's wanting to save them, He'll save them. The who? Go ye into all the world. The what? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Notice, it may be a stumbling block to some. It may be foolishness to some. Does that mean that we should not declare the gospel to them? No. Let's be people that share the gospel. We see God's words are designated to be designed to be preached. Therefore, He informs us that all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It equips the believer for every good work. We are to preach the word to everyone. On the verge of his martyrdom, under the tyranny of Nero, Paul gives Paul what his main thrust was. He charged Timothy, he charged Titus to preach the word. You that know Christ, preach the word. Now, not everyone can get up behind a pulpit and preach. I don't do much preaching as far as behind a pulpit anymore. And that do has a lot to do with several different things, but that's beside the point. But we can all share the gospel with folks, can't we? We sure can. Folks, this morning we talked about it's all about God. 
It's all about him. He's the master designer. He's the one that brought it all forth. He's the creator. He's the giver of all life. Won't you focus on him and his word rather than your problems, your circumstances, and your situations? Let God work in your life by you focusing on what he's asked you to focus on. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for these folks listening so attentively. And now, Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help each one of us to take your word and to focus on what you've taught us from your precious word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.